It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Yo, man. Oh, Miss Rusty, you got an extra bar there. Uh, welcome to the Public Access Podcast, the podcast on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network, QGBN. I think I said I'm your host, Rusty Diamond. Uh, and thank you for being here. And check out other shows on the network, such as When the Gloves Come Off. The Thinking Man's Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is it with Lizzie and Say by the Bet. And thank our sponsors, Fred Ben Savage is Fucked, Stonery's Productions, Hardcore Entertainment, Hypnosis is Great, and SockEmUp.org. Guys, it's Tuesday, which means there's this show and then recording when the gloves come off later on this afternoon. So be ready for that. Go back for that. Uh, that's two shows for you for today. So I'm going to bring on my special guest right here, right now. We have coming here soon. We have Jose Pereira. And right here right now he will be here sometimes it's timed right but right now right right here right now here he is how you doing jose hello how are you how are you oh great 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 thank you for being here appreciate you being here and um yeah getting to meet you and you know getting to come out and and talk with me for a little bit here and <laughs> get get to know you a little better and yeah hopefully everyone else can get to know you a little better as well well thank you very much Rusty, for having me in your your wonderful program in your audience um well my name is jose pereira i'm i'm a former 35 years uh oil and gas executive i was uh, a top executive by the way i i, I became a a CEO of a multinational company. When, when my adverse situation happened, people would say, "What happened with this guy?" Okay, my story is that in November 2017, I, I was the CEO of this company here in the U.S. I'm a Houston-based uh, guy. I was called for a, a last-minute meeting in Caracas, Venezuela. I'm Venezuelan-born, dual citizen, and uh, and this company, the parent company. Uh, is in Caracas. It's at the uh, PDVSA, is the Petróleo de Venezuela, the state oil company of Venezuela. The company where I was here is Citigo Petroleum. So, um, Citigo Petroleum, maybe people are used to it, are the gas stations that are all over the US. There are like 6,000 gas stations all over the US. So, that, 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 that gas station, Citigo, well, I was the president of that company. So, uh, and, and I was called for that last minute meeting in Caracas. And well, we didn't see nothing wrong because it was in November. There was a budget season. It was a budget meeting. We saw it very nice. So we went, we traveled there with our five top executives of the company. And, and it resulted to be a settlement because uh, 
at that moment, uh, like six months before the administration that was in place here in the U.S., was putting a lot of sanctions on Venezuela because Venezuela was having a lot of problems with the population. Uh, the regime was called illegitimate. There was a lot of political issues going there. And we were aware about the situation, but we were not politicians, so we never thought that we could get caught in the middle of that thing. And but we will get caught because they 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 didn't have nothing to to get to negotiate, and we we became to be the political pawns of that situation. And we we but in the beginning we didn't realize what was going on with us. Our first thought that was that that was a mistake that we would clarify very soon. Well, very soon was that we stayed five years there. <laughs> the negotiations to get us released lasted five years, so we stayed there 1,775 days, five years. Five years lasted the negotiation. So were you we there by back. yourself? And, sorry? Were you, were you there by yourself or were there other people from no, 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 we, 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 no, we, we flew with our five top executives. We were six guys. We were six guys. And, and by the way, the meeting happened. I, I, I went to the meeting because by that time, the meeting, uh, I made a presentation because we were revamping a refinery in Aruba. You know, in the Caribbean island Aruba? We had uh -huh. a refinery in Aruba. And I, I was going to make the presentation of the status of that revamping. It was a big meeting, like 1,000 people, you know, very, very large meeting. And but at the end of the meeting, we saw that they came those guys without those type of Robocop outfits. And somebody told me that that guy were the counterintelligence military police of that country. And and they got us and they put us a, a lot of bizarre charge. We were, we were charged of uh, espionage, uh, counterintelligence, uh, 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 yeah, yeah, your you jaw, that was my jaw that day. You know, hearing charts of espionage, tuition, counterintelligence, corruptions, and, and like six more. You know, when I heard the charts, they said, what, what is this going on here? I, I, so, and we thought there was a, really a mistake. And we were going to clarify that. Well, let, the, let me tell you, my friend, we stayed 10 months incommunicated. We were disappeared during 10 months. They put us in a basement, like three floors down, in a military installation, without no no windows, no nothing, no no watches. They, all, they, all day long the lights turned on. We were kind of driving us crazy, and and we stayed there like ten months. We didn't know what what time was. We didn't know what was going on. We were totally disappeared, and our family was. Can you imagine what was the family going through all this situation? So at, at some point, uh, after 10 months, as I say, uh, we, did, we had received a one minute call and I could call my wife and say, hey, I'm, I'm okay, I'm fine. And, and, and after that, we begin to have uh, every two or three days these calls and we begin to have a visit of a lawyer. So we figured out that what was going on with that was really severe because the situation at that moment was really going really bad between the U.S. and Venezuela at some point that was so bad that the U.S. ambassador was expelled of the country. They expelled the ambassador. Up to today, there is no ambassador in, of the U.S. in Venezuela because of that situation. 
It began to escalate, 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 escalate. And we were in the middle of that battle. Because today, uh, well, not today I talk loudly about this. I'm part of a hosted community that I'm going to take la uh, talk later on that. And this is something that is called the hostage diplomacy. I was not aware about that. Let me, t then let me tell you a little bit what this is. The, the, these are countries that they, they use this practice. In Venezuela, we were the guinea pigs of, the, of them. We were the first uh, guys that they did this practice, but they were taught by the Iranians and the Chinese and the Russians that they do it. They get normal guys, businessmen or uh, tourists or uh, a guy that is in a conference, they have that passport that they want. So they take you, they put you some sham chart, they do a sham trial, they convict you, and then they negotiate among you. They say, okay, I got this guy, now I want you to give me this, give me that. And that, that was a situation that began to happen to us. They, be, they began to ask a lot of things because, as I said, by that, that moment, uh, the, the administration that was in charge here, the Trump administration, was imposing a lot of sanctions on Venezuela. At some point, they even banned the oil production. So what's really, uh -huh. really, they banned the oil production. They, they banned that, that, this is previous, uh, previous to the Ukraine war. Okay, that, that is pre-Ukraine war because we're talking on 2017. So these guys were asking to get lifted sanctions to get us released. Can you imagine that? So they are asking, keep, take me out the sanctions and I'm going to return your guys. That was, that, that they were asking. For for six oil executives to or, take the whole sanctions off of of a so, country of a country of, for the country, yeah. and so how did whoever was in charge uh, in the United States how did they react to it? What was their kind of? Well, let, let me tell you. Uh, at some point, when we realized and we had uh, better communication. We knew that our six families, they got together and they were fighting really hard to get us released. Before the U.S. ambassador was expelled, he visited us 11 times. We, didn't, we were not aware of that because he never was allowed to visit us. So he came to visit us 11 times uh, uh, before he got expelled. By the way, after that, I today I had communication with him, my son, uh, during this, this year was always in communication with him. So uh, the, the administration was, of course, trying to do a lot of things. But by the way, my wife went two times to the White House. She was attended two times in the White House. And, and she was received by, by the State Department, I don't know, every month. Every month they had meetings with the State Department. So these guys were really working hard. But they was doing it behind the scenes. They, they were asking our families to stay quiet because they want to do it behind the scene. And there was no direct talking because there was no ambassador. So, so, so at some point, they contacted the people of the UN. The UN flew to Venezuela to visit that. The UN, the UN. So we received a visit of uh, two guys from the UN. There was a Spanish and a French lady that they, they came to visit us and they saw us and they, they saw that we were in really bad condition at the moment. We were, if you go Google the photos of us at that time, I lost 50 pounds, uh, 60 pounds. 
and other guys lost 30 pounds, 40 pounds, and, and, and counting because we were starving. We didn't. So, um, so this guy, they went to the, to, the, to the regime there and said, hey, these guys are going to die. This guy needs food and medicines. So they began to allow us to have food and medicines that had to be supplied by our families. So our family, one of my, my eldest son, had to move to Colombia in, because Colombia is in the border with Venezuela. He stayed four years there supplying me food and medicine during four years. Can you imagine all the logistics that, that happened and all the money? That, that was a total drainage uh, for, for the family, all the stuff. And, uh, but well, they, 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 they allow us to have food and, and medicine that way. And at some point that, that was benefit for me because I, I could begin to smuggle letters in the, in the trash cans of, of, the, of the food. So I, I could get more communication with my wife. I began to have letters that I sent it to her and she began to send the letters to me and we began to communicate among letters. And Rosalind, let me tell you, when I came back, there was 1,000 letters around we were already reading. And by the way, that that letter is what I converted in the, the book that is going to be going out now. So because my wife had the, she was so smart that she transcripted my handwritten letters. She put it in Word. And when I came back in October, I saw all the letters in Word. So I, that was like a memoir. I was like a memoir. It was very easy to write the book because everything was there. So 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 for me, uh, working with my wife, putting the letters uh, together, and and converting a book was what I did to to write the book. So you still have the letters and the physical letters? Oh yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, my idea is though physically because the see how it works. The guy that was supplying me the food there. He took photos of the letter and sent it to my wife. So when I came back, I could take the original letter. So I have the original, my original handwritten letters. And I'm thinking to do like a manuscript and, you know, in the future for my grandsons. It's going to be more like a legacy for them. They can yeah. see, see the, the original letters that, 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 that I write in my, in my confinement. It, it, it's something amazing because... Uh, uh, when I was editing now, because I signed recently with a with a publishing company, I had to go back to edit some things because I had to update some information. So I sit down with my wife in the computer and revisit all the letters. And I got surprised. I told her, did I write this? Because I was in so, so pain at some point that I reflected in, 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 in those letters. But, but when the evolution of the letters were going, I was getting like more faith and more hope and the situation was like kind of evolving psychological for me. So because at some point we, we got that uh, we realized that really we were in a surviving mode. So we decided to go to a surviving mode and and today that was a game changer for me. By the way, I, I, I created a coaching program based on that that is called the survival coaching. Because I, 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 I figure out that the way we handle it is something that can be used to anybody to survive any adversity in their life. So that, that, that's my thing. Yeah. So then, I mean, so is the, your next book, I mean, going to be, I mean, just the, the, each letter 
Like just, I mean, I bet you could even just take every letter that you have and just put each page as you know one one of the letters, and then just have them back to back I, with I your handwriting. You one, I can send you one of them. You maybe you will not understand because I wrote it in Spanish, uh -huh. and I, I wrote it in codes because uh, because we were kind of scared that they could find the letters, so. We managed with our wife at some point to, to begin to have some code that only she and me could understand. So, so it was like in a code mode, and, and it was writing in in, in 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 it was it was really something that it was amazing what we did. But we did it. We did it. We we could do it, and and it came like a memoir. Of course, we had to adapt it to the book. But but basically, the the we the. 90% of the book is based on the on the letters because anything that was happening there I was putting there and my wife was telling me what was going on outside so I, I at some point I that was great because I had like a time frame of, of the event that were happening so for me it was really easy, easy to reconstruct the, the event because they were in the letters did there end up being a trial of some sort with this, either before you were or after you left? Before let, you no, left? no, let me tell you how it went. One week before the U.S. election, uh, before the uh, January 6th event, so we're talking about November, uh, December 30, we were convicted that week before the elections, before the elections, because this guy wanted to have us convicted because they didn't know who was gonna win here? So they wanted to have us convicted to to negotiate who whoever came to office. These guys were not stupid; they were smart. Okay, so that guy, the the, the judge, that is a lady, the judge and the and the DA, uh, there is a guy. They convicted us, and the U.S. imposed sanctions them on December 31. The day after, these guys were also put sanctions on them personal sanction to these guys. So these guys today are totally F up. You know, they, they cannot go outside Venezuela never for never in their life because what they did to us. So uh yeah, so uh so when, when the new administration came to office, well there were happening several things at that point because in twenty nineteen, let's say like around two years uh, when we were there, here in the U.S. was approved uh, an act called the Robert Levinson Act. Okay, there there there, there was an act that was passed in the Congress, and the Robert Levinson Act uh, uh, is based. Uh, his name is a guy that was hostage and disappeared in Syria. His body never appeared in in his honor. Has that name, Robert Levinson? Act. By the way, I know his son today, David Levinson. I went. I was to do a speech in the Congress, and I was with him. So for me, it was so honored to be with that. With that, his dad has the name of the law. So what that law oh. does? That that law created first an office, a special presidential office for hostage affairs. It's called the Spija office that treats these cases because. Let me tell you, Dusty, I was not aware, but this is something that is most, most common that, that you believe. Today, there are more than five dozens of Americans that are kept hosted all over the world. Today, we have a campaign, a family campaign called the Bring Our Family Campaign, where we advocate to help support these families and, 
and to raise awareness to bring them back because there are people that have 10 years in China, 12 years in Russia. Well, m m many people in their mind have the case of Brittany Griner because she was famous. Brittany is part of her campaign. But oh, it, okay. it, 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 she's part of her campaign. And by the way, Brittany does a great with that. She, she has been kind of a very vocal with her campaign. And uh, and her teams, her, her, her basket team, also is supporting the campaign. But there's another guy that is part of our campaign, Trevor, Trevor Reed, that he came back to, to Ukraine like three weeks ago. So, so you know, he was in Russia. He, he was in Russia. He, he was released. Uh, today, all these family were together. We're part of a big community. We know each other. I know all, all their parents, their siblings, their, their kids, their their aunts, uh, you know, we're part of a big community because we are all in this thing together. So the family campaign, they, uh, uh, in May, we were releasing October, 2022. In May, 2022, let's say six months before, that campaign was created, was created. And by the way, one of the daughter of one of the guys, the sixth guy that was with me, the other guy that was with me, she was one of the former chairman of that campaign. And, and we were aware that what the campaign was doing. And, and they unveiled a mural, you can Google it. In, in, today there is a mural in Georgetown, in, in Washington, where, where, where there are our faces, there are 19 faces, because we, we, the campaign was created by 19 families. So we put, or our families put 19 of our faces, my face is there in Washington. And we did a second mural that we unveiled this July 4th, here in Houston. We did a second mural here in Houston. So we had two murals that are like a sanctuaries for, for, for the family. So it's kind of cool. The mural in Washington now is like an icon in the city. And I believe that the, the mural here in Houston is going to become an icon too. That people go there and take photos, you know. But 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 the, yeah. but, but the, the point of them, because they, there are big big faces, you know, like, it's like six feet tall in each faces. So are very big. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I can show you photos after that. But uh, the, the intention of the mural is, is that the people know that these guys, the, those faces are people that are languishing in the in the jails of another country. That, that Because, you know, the, the problem with this situation, uh, Rusty, is that this becomes really hard to treat. Because we're talking about high politics between two countries. And at the same time, high politics between the parties inside the country. So you're talking about negotiation between two countries and negotiation between two parties inside. So it's difficult to put the people together because at, at the end it's like a country blackmailing another country, asking for things. For example, let me put you something very simple. We have four guys in our campaign that are kept today in Iran. Four guys. Yep. And uh, Iranian government is asking to the U.S. to sign a nuclear deal to get this guy released. Can you imagine that? Wow. That guy is waiting to get signed a nuclear deal. They have publicly said that they will release this guy if the U.S. signed a nuclear deal. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine yeah. the difficult call that that means? So, yeah. So, in our case, what, how, how we came back, because the people will say, okay, how this guy came back. Well, let me tell you what happened with us. When this uh, special presidential office was created, they assigned uh, uh, an ambassador, a status of ambassador 
His name is Roger Carsten. He's a very tall guy that every time you see somebody release, he's going to be there. It's funny because when he released Britney, he, he looks tiny because Britney is like a super <laughs> tall. So you, if you see that photo when Britney was released, the guy that's beside him, her, this is Roger Carsten. He's very tall. Okay. He's very tall. You can see the photo when when she was released. Okay, well, he came to visit us one year before, in, in December 2021. He did a quiet travel, and he went to Venezuela. And one day, we were there, and they told us, hey, you have a visitor. Uh, dress up and go. There some special visitor. And what we saw was that guy coming to talk with us. So that was the first time a U.S official landed in Venezuela in five years. That was an event. Was an event. A, a official going in the last five years only because he was going to visit us. So 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 he kept traveling three months after he came back he could release one of the guys. Then after that was in May twenty twenty then in June, he came back three months after. He didn't release no one. But in October, he could release us. We were, uh, uh, we came back through a prisoner swap and we were uh, uh, swapped in a Caribbean island called San Vincent. So we were putting in a plane, tied and, and handcuffed it. And they, we landed in a very tiny Caribbean island in, in the middle of nowhere, and and, and there uh, he landed with his plane. And like in the movie, we were traded. We went to the U.S. Uh, plane, and the other guys went to the Venezuelan plane. And 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 we were we landed here in, in a military base in San Antonio. And ten days after, I, I was back here in the in my house in Houston. So who did they get? Who did the Nicaraguan government get? Well, they they get the two nephews. The, this this guy had two nephews here that they, they were caught here by the DEA with smuggling drugs. So so they, they, at the end they they asked for their two nephews. So they, we were traded by the two nephews of the guy of Venezuela. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Wow. So <laughs> then, uh, so this guy, yeah. What? So then he's. I, I assume you, you know they're never allowed back in the states. Yeah, of course. And they're not. probably not going to want to. No, no, of course not. Wow. Um, and then, so, I mean, so was there news coverage of this, or is it? Is it oh yeah, 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 yeah. Let me let me tell you how how it worked. And, 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 and very good question because as I told you, that first year, our family was asked to get quiet. Wrong. I always today tell the people they had to talk loudly. So our family in in one year after nothing was happening. Everything was quiet. The press didn't know absolutely nothing of us because they were asked to do nothing. So at some point they managed to if they got the six family together, say we're gonna go to the press. So there there was a a guy that came, I don't know how he came, a pro bono guy that was like a communication strategist, and he organized a very extensive campaign. If you go to the 2019, 2020 frame, you will see a lot of information of that there. I can tell you, our, our family went to the, all the major outlets that you can imagine. 
they had interviews on CNN, Fox, ABC, CBS, NBC, NCBS, uh, Bloomberg, AP, AFP, VOA, uh, Miami Herald, Washington Post, Times Magazine. They did an article on us in uh, the Washington Post, New York Times, Wall Street Journal. You can see us in all the press because we were we were put uh, we became they put I don't know how it came one of journalists because there maybe there was difficult to be naming six guys so we were put they put us a brand they call us the Sid Go Six so if you go so if you go to the press you will you can Google Sid Go like the company C I T G O Sid Go Six and I don't know two hundred thousand articles. Millions of articles. It's bunch. It's too much. We were all over the press, and and that. And let me tell you, that was a game changer going to the press because, uh, of course, that made a lot of pressure. Today, today, if you if you tell me, we are uh, we as families. Uh, I'm a former hostess, and I'm part of this campaign as as a former hostess. And, and the situation is much better because we have now the campaign. There are a lot of journalists that are more aware about the situation. So there are very, uh, very advocated journalists. In, in all these media, they always have people that are very aware of us. So anything related to hotel, you can call them directly because we have the contact of all of them. So uh, so it, it, it's more, it, it, we're, it, it's like a network that was created there. And there's a foundation. There are, today are like four or five foundations here in the U.S., they work networking with us. There's a foundation called the Foley Legacy Foundation. There is one called the Richardson Center. There is one called the Hosted USA. There is one called Hosted Aid Worldwide. There is one called Amerifakuri Foundation. There, there are a lot of foundations that today are very well more equipped and advocating. Their work. There is a cell in the Congress called the, called the Hosted Cell. There are some congressmen. There are really aware about so that has been creating a, a big network on this because this is something that people are not aware uh, uh, rusty but this is true it's happening and it can happen to anybody so so it's unfortunate that you can be in a business trip or you can be in a, a family vacation or you can be in a, visiting a, a country as tourists and you can get caught in the middle of this and, and let me tell you the Foley Legacy Foundation they they have a wonderful report they they do every year about this, and the last year, the uh, the report said that um, the average time that somebody uh, get in prison because of this hostage situation is five years. Five years. So I'm not saying that it's good or bad. I'm, I'm saying that it's a fact that if you get caught in this situation, the probability that you stay there five years is very high, because this is the average time. And we stayed five years, by the way. So we, we were in the average. So uh, with the other uh, hostage situations, like are, you know, are every one of them covered by the news? Or are there some that go kind of under the radar um, because of maybe today, safety? Today, today uh, we have like mix. It's a very good question because we, as I said, there today are like five dozens of hostages 
and really only like the half are being public. The other half, for family reasons that we respect, decided to be more silent. They are contacted us, but in a private way, but the other families are more public. So you you see, for example, there is a journalist of uh, the Wall Street uh, Journal, uh, Ivan, he's in Russia, his family is very public. Uh, there is a guy called Austin Tice, that he's from here, Houston, the family is very public. There are uh, There is a guy in China called Mark Sudan, the family is very public. There are four guys in Venezuela, the family are very public. Uh, so they, they, we have many, many situations. Some families are very public. They, they are always in the... There is a anchor of CNN called Christian Amanpour. She has been very, very, very involved in this. And there is a journalist called Jennifer Hansler. That she, she also has been very, very supportive. So you can see a lot of coverage in the media and with families frequently. Today, this is the situation today. If you tell me five years ago, that was not the case. But today... They are really more covered because all these campaign that our, our campaign, family campaign is doing has worked because it has put a lot of pressure. Today, for example, the, uh, two years ago, the Biden administration declared this like a public national emergency. So he, 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 there is a so there have been done things. More has to be done. Because when I was invited to, the, to speak in the Congress, I, I was talking about I, basically this, this thing. I was, my, my speech was based on three things. First, that this is something that's becoming like a national security issue. Because can you imagine that you are a normal citizen, get in this situation abroad? It, it, it becomes really high politics, okay, if you don't sure. feel it properly. That's the first thing. The second thing is, the support for the families, because my family was part of that. That, that the, you go to a total drainage from the psychological, physical, and financial. So uh, we're we're asking to get some support to the families. That if somebody is going through this situation, have the support of the government, because at the end, it, it's part of that. And the third thing that is very important is put beside the politics and do the right things. Because sometimes you get, you get caught in the middle of the internal politics. And this is not politics. This is a human beings. They yeah. get caught in the middle of... So they're not caught in the battlefield. They're caught because they're a political pawns. So that's and a situation. So did your family before, if you didn't talk to them for a year, do they think you were, did they think you were dead or what? Well, I mean, I went through, do they have hope? I went through a lot of situations. I got COVID two times. I suffered a heart attack there. So, <laughs> so I, I went through a lot. My, my, my family, I can tell you, the, 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 my wife, I don't know. I don't know how she did it, to tell you the truth. She, she, they had a lot of hope because, uh, well, it, 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 at some point, you, you go back to your spirituality. We were, we, at some point, we were reading the Bible. At some point, uh, we could have books. So there, there is a book that I always talk about it because I wrote it there. I could read it there. Um, there is a guy that he was uh, in the concentration camps in World War II, uh, in one concentration call, camp called Auschwitz. Well, that sure. guy, he wrote, a, he wrote a book called The Man in the Search of a Meaning. 
the, the, his name is Victor Frankl. Frankl with Ella at the end. Okay, Victor Frankl. Well, Victor Frankl, he wrote about this. He, he wrote a book about how you can survive any adversity if you have meaning in your life. So when, when I wrote that book, for me, that was like a, wow, a lightning and a game changer. And today, part of what I do in my coaching is based on that, or, or the experience I went through that, because when you understand that you're in a survival mode, that you need to come back in soul and body and spirit, okay, for your family. So that that, that puts you in a situation that really you, your hope get boosted. And then and we begin to read the Bible and, 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 and go to that spirituality and, and with us, we did it great. I can tell you, we, we did it great. And so if you were in survival mode for five years and, uh, you know, that that's, you're you always on guard, uh, always kind of heightened senses. I mean, that probably was at least a contributing factor to your heart attack. Um, and I mean, so did you have, I mean, do you think it's ever kind of calmed, calmed down or kind of, or is it still feel like it's still very heightened and um, with, with that? Let me tell you something. At some point, I, 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 I cannot say at, at what moment because for me it's difficult to to do that time frame. But at some point, when we realized that we were in a survival mode, that we had we had a meaning to come back here, that for us was a kind of game changer. And we met the six of us, and we decided to create a plan as as a survivor, a, a daily plan, and, and and we stick to that plan during years. Because we did it one day at a time, and, and, and that made our situation more vivable. Because we were having a plan, you know, to eat, to exercise, to read, to to have the Bible moments, to even have fun, to to play domino, and and to to have conversation, to to uh, to to wash yourselves, you know. So we created a, a very comprehensive plan. To tell you the truth. And we have a plan keeper. <laughs> One of our guys was a, like a like plan keeper. And, and he, he was always, you have to, to stick to the plan, stick to the plan. And we did it. We did it. Let me tell you, the days begin to pass really fast. It was a, one day, and it became one week, one week came one month, one month came one year. And when we realized we were back, let me tell you, it was funny because when I came back, um, uh, as I told you, we were landed in the Caribbean Islands. We were pulling in the U.S. plane. And then in, in when we were flying to San Antonio, a military base, uh, I was, beside me was the ambassador, Roger Carson, and he told me that uh, at some point he received a phone call, and then he, he told me, Jose, the president already talked with your family. So personally, he talked with the family. They did a Zoom call, and he announced that we were released, and that we were land, uh, heading to San Antonio, and we were be treated there uh, during several days. And, and I told the ambassador, can my family go to receive me? He said, yeah, tell them to come. So he gave me his phone. I could call my wife. And I said, hey, mommy, I'm here. And then, hey, what are you going to do? You have to go to San Antonio. I, and, and then she had a small bakery. And I said, close that shit. We had 
come to San Antonio. You know, it's like a two and a half hour from Houston. And when I landed, they were there. All my family was there. So my my daughter, she 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 told me days after. She said, "Dad, I'm surprised. Why? Because you 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 came from the plane. You were laughing. Yeah, because I was laughing because I was proud that we made it. So I was during the flight. I was like thinking, God, man, you did it. You made it. So for me, it was like a yay, you know, a a, a yay moment. And well, but for me, it really was when I came back." I was like, wow, we really made it. And, and let me tell you, it's a miracle we came back. It's a total miracle. You told me what happened. Yeah. Well, we were convicted. They put us 30 year, 13 years of charge. They put me at fine of two, two and a half million dollars. Well, American dollars? American dollars, yes. That never happened, of course. That was that was a sham trial. They put, they can put you 40 years, 50 years, 100 years, whatever you want. That was a sham. Because at the end, when they found what they wanted, get out of here. That's it. And so then, uh, I mean, when you came back, is there is there stuff set up for other people who are experiencing what you experienced, so, you know, in the same ballpark um, for kind of being able to um, unpack what had happened and kind of be able to work through it um, in your head and like uh, whether it's some sort of you know uh, therapy or any of that sort of stuff or um, or whatever it may be uh, maybe hypnosis uh, uh, or any of that is that kind of something that's been built into the out plan? Yes, yes, very, very good question, yes. Uh, today, the US government has a program called PISA, P-I-S-A, where when we landed in San Antonio, they apply you that program there. This is a post-isolation program that they you are treated by psychologists and all this stuff that they try to de- decompress you. So, so that is the first stage. After that, uh, uh, there is a, one of these foundations called Hostel USA. They have a complete program. They, they put you in a trauma center. I went to a trauma center, a very famous trauma center, and stayed there like a week. And, 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 and you, you begin to understand all your process. And that's why I decided to create a coaching program, a pro- pro- program because, um, we, because we begin to talk with the families and we begin to like uh, coach them, and, and that, and we found that was really helpful what we were doing with them. And we said, God, this is something we have to do it more, more extensively. We have to do it with people because, and and I created a coaching program. I called the Life Pills for the Survival Guide (LPSG). I I, I create the program, and, the, and it's nothing complicated. It's a lot of common sense, you know. A lot of things that like, uh, hey, under adversity, stay focused and calm, and you have to stick to your loved ones, and you have to uh, go to your uh, well-being, and then you have to go to your spirituality. You have a positive mindset. So these are simple things that if you really realize how to do it, man, it, it will be a life changer for you. So this is today one of the things I'm talking extensively. I have a LinkedIn account. Where, where today I have a newsletter where I talk about this. 
and I, I'm always posting things on this because really I, I, I truly believe they can help and and, and and I have been attending programs uh, even in LinkedIn has a lot of uh, platforms and audio events that I always invited and I always tell the people my friend because I you know there are a lot of people with struggles in life and when you tell them hey man I did this you can do it so so that 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 put them in a the perspective because let me tell you in adversity you have two choices you have always two choices you have the choice to go to the you know to the wrong place and stay there and negativity or you decide to go in, in the positive way is a choice is a personal choice if you decide to go in the right way you can overcome the adversity if you decided to go in the wrong way well my friend you're gonna go down so, so this is something that today I explain to the people. It's very simple. To tell the truth at the end, it's very simple. When you understand that it's very simple, and that, and, and, you know, the good thing also, and you talk about uh, hypnosis, uh, I know that you are um, something that, and you can retrain the brain. The good thing is you can retrain the brain. So the good thing of this is that you can get your brain retrained. So no, it's not that the people say, no, you know, I'm like that. Not, not that, not that That's way. Right. He retrained, and you know that they, it can happen. You know that yeah. can happen. Uh, so I, I have one last question for you. Um, uh, so, have you left the states, or are you planning to leave the states anytime? Or are you staying in the states for the rest of your life? Let me tell you, that's a wonderful question. I don't know in the future, but today I will never travel again for a long time. For me, it's a kind of a problem because I'm beginning to do public speaking and I, I had getting invitations to other countries. I, I, had, I recently received an invitation to go to the Canadian government and, and I received one to go to the Indian. And I, my wife has said, are you kidding me? So, you know, <laughs> I don't know in the future, but today I'm not thinking. If I'm going to do things, I'm going to do all over the U.S., but not outside the border, my friend. Understandable. Totally understandable. <laughs> and so um, where can people find you? When, when can they get your book? Where can they get your book when okay, it's available? The, the, okay, the, okay, the book, I, I signed it with a publishing company three days ago. Uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna launch a like a pre-sale campaign in two weeks, and the book is gonna take like ninety days to be out. So it's gonna be out around October, around October. The book is called "From Hero to Villain: The True Story of the Single Six. Because I I talk about our case, our our case, as I said, has a very high political connotation because. We were in the middle of a battle between two countries. Very unfortunate for us, but it was what it, it, what it, it was. And we were get in this high politics thing. And uh, at the end, the way we came out. But but the, the things more important for me in the book is my legacy. How I overcame it and how what we're doing today, all our advocacy for the hotel community, or our coaching program, our, our speaking. I have, a, 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 as I said, I am all on the platform. I have a Facebook account. I have an Instagram account. I have a Twitter account. I have a Linktree account where I have a newsletter. I have been all over the media today. 
I, I, I can give you a link tree where you can see all my social medias. There is a, a book and you will see all the interviews. When I came back, three three weeks after I came back, I was interviewed by Anderson Cooper in the, in CNN. And when I go back to that program, it's there. You can see it there. <clears throat> when Anderson interviewed me, I, it's amazing. When I, I saw it the other day, he said, wow, Jose, but you, you were so clear because it was three weeks. I was only three weeks that I came back when he interviewed me. I already was clear what I wanted to do in my life. So what I'm doing today, I was thinking in that moment. So it's amazing how 10 months after I, I, I revisit that interview and what I'm saying in the program is what I'm saying today. So I came very clear in what I wanted to do in my life because all that time I, I, I was thinking what I want to do after I came back. I was always thinking on that. I, I always was thinking to write my book. Of course, I was not thinking to do a coaching program that came after. But I was thinking to a, a, a publicly speak about this. So what? Well, I mean, what I was thinking, I'm doing it. And so like you were saying, you can look at it one way, you can look at it as just negative, negative, or you can take a crazy situation and say, here's my way that I'm going to, you know, you get that moment of clarity and you got, you have a way to help people and help yourself at the same time. Um, I mean, yeah, that's a lot of people would go the opposite way. And uh, that's quite admirable that you went that way. I, that's pretty cool. I like, I like hearing that. And um, yeah, but, but you know, but you have the opportunity now today, I have the opportunity that those people that go in the other way, I can talk with them. I can talk with them. I can, I can advise them. I can, I, they can hear my story. Because what I want them is to hear my story, that they say, hey, because the adversity in life, adversity has several things. The first thing is that it will never announce when it comes. It will come when you never expect it. That's, so that's the first thing that is shocking that what this is happening to me. But once you realize this, that's why it's so important to stay calm and focused. Because if you stay calm and focused, you can, ma you can realize how to manage the situation. And the it can be anything in the life, it can be a broken marriage, uh, can be a financial struggle, can be a illness, can be anything, can be anything. So the, the, the pattern is always the same. It's always the same. And it's a choice. And uh, did you go back to your job at Sitco or did you, was that done and then you just became, you went to this, this new part? Yeah, I went directly to this new part because I didn't Excellent. see myself going back to the... I, I was a guy always using a suit and tie. I, I, yeah. had, I don't want to use it for for a long time. So I, I'm uh, enjoying what I'm doing today. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, hey, Jose, thank you so much for coming on and uh, getting to tell this story. I'm, I'm happy we got to to talk. And yeah, it's it's wild. This is the, one of one of the... I don't know. One of the craziest stories I've heard. So um, <laughs> I'm happy, happy you got to come on here and, and talk about it. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. Hopefully we can stay in touch here and uh, yeah, we'll, yeah. Hopefully talk soon. All right. Yeah. When the book is out, maybe I want to go contact you to show it. Hey, this is the book. Hey, please buy it because the, the, my book is going to tell what I'm talking here is going to be more extensively with more detail 
it dug in the book. Yeah, maybe after uh, you get back, uh, you get through the book being released, have you back on. We'll we'll talk, uh, do an update or something here. Great, would be great. Thank you, Ruthie. Uh, it was an enjoyable program. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Jose. Bye. All right, that's Jose. Holy shit. Um, I don't know, man. There's not a lot of stuff that's crazy and mind blowing to me, but that, that kind of was. <laughs> that's that's a wild story. That's I don't know. I'm kind of stumped for words, which if you listen, this podcast doesn't happen too often. And wow, I mean, it's a great way he went about it. I mean, it could have easily gone into a woe is me and not with Jose. That's he's just like, all right, let's uh, let's make this better. Let's make the best out of this. And that's I hope the people who are listening to this can take take away that at least. There's a lot to take away from what he was saying. Um but yeah. So I don't know. He he left you with a lot more nuggets of wisdom than I can right now, so I'm gonna go go with that. So, you guys, uh, if you want, you can call and leave a message about this. You can ask more questions, and if you want to leave a message, you can leave a message five zero three nine seven four six four twenty. Or maybe you don't want to leave a message, and you're like messages, messages. Yep, but I need messages. So hopefully we can get messages, uh, play them. You guys, thank you so much for listening here on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network, QGBN. Check out later on today. I'm be recording an episode of When the Gloves Come Off. And yeah, the show is brought to you by Fred Ben Savage's Bucks, Joan Reeds Productions, Hardcore Entertainment, Hypnosis is Great, and SockMup.org. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And that is the show, man. Boom! It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Ernest! 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 (coughs) Yes, Pee-wee. You brought the snacks, right?